Good morning, everybody. Hey, uh, I see the students are going back, so if you're a young person, a junior high or high schooler, and you want to go back to youth class, you're welcome to go do that now, and the rest of us are going to continue in a series that we started last week. If you were here last week, you heard from Pastor John Bellis. Man, did he do such a good job introducing spiritual warfare in this series that, we're, that we started last week. We're going to spend five weeks in this series, and uh, I want to encourage you, if you, if you didn't know it, we actually have an Alpine Church sermons podcast, which means you can find all of our sermons anytime you miss one, or if you, even if you want to just hear it again or share it with a friend, we have a sermons podcast. Just go on to wherever you get your podcast, type in Alpine Church, and you can subscribe to Alpine Church sermons. Last week I was up in Logan, Pastor John's campus, and a woman precious woman who's gone to Logan for a long time, she said, oh, I can't wait to hear week one of the spiritual warfare series, and I'm going to record it on my phone. And she does this every week. She, she takes her phone out during the service, and she hits record so she can listen to the sermon again. And I said, sweet woman, you, you know you don't have to do that. Like, we already record it for you. And she was in so... She's like, no way, you guys already record it. And I spent the next half hour explaining what a podcast was <laughs> and how to get that on your phone. And so if some of, some of you are in here saying, I would love to know what a podcast is, talk to a young person and, and give them your phone and say, could you set that up on my phone and, and make sure young people, to make sure to put it on their home screen so that and show them, like, hit this button and then hit this triangle, that means play. Like, you got to really dumb it down for us old people. Um, but anyway, it's there. The Alpine Church uh, Sermons podcast is there. Every week you can listen to podcasts from any of our campuses. Again, they're not really podcasts. It's just the sermon that we recorded. And we also have a Pursue God podcast. A lot of people don't realize this, but if you, if you subscribe to our Pursue God podcast, you'll get to hear the a conversation on the sermon we're going to preach on Sunday. So on Friday, we release the conversation. At least a couple of pastors are in the studio talking about the concepts and the ideas that we're going to be preaching just a couple days later. So if you want a little preview of where we're going in the sermon, I personally think the conversation is better than the sermon because we have more time to do it. There's just really good insights that come up, so you can also subscribe to that. By the way, on the Pursue God podcast, we also, on Tuesdays, we're releasing, every Tuesday we're, release, we're releasing a special episode on systematic theology. So if you're interested in that, want to learn more about God's word and some systematic theology, that's the Pursue God podcast. I know so much, so much to learn. But today we're in week number two of our series on spiritual warfare. And if you were here last week, you saw kind of we introduced this framework that we're going to be using for this entire series. When we think about spiritual warfare, and we learned last week, by the way, that we all engage in it more than we realize. It's, spiritual warfare isn't just something uh, that, that you do with angels and demons. I mean, John Bellis last week had the coolest story of that couple that walked into that uh, that, host, that mental health hospital and saw demons over the beds of the patients there. Man, that, was, that gave me goosebumps to, to hear that. But that's, we don't always have insight into the spiritual realm, the stuff that actually goes on every day in our world. And so we all engage in spiritual warfare whether we know it or not, and this framework's a good way to understand it, is the world 
the flesh and the devil. And that comes from Ephesians chapter 2 where Paul talks about this, that you used to be dead in the trespasses and sins in which, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. So that's the first of the three arenas of spiritual warfare. So today we're going to talk about spiritual warfare with the world. Next week we're going to talk about spiritual warfare with your flesh. The world is the outside pull away from God. I love the language of the course of this world. It's like the current of a stream. You can get in the current. You don't realize how strong the current is. And pretty soon, you've been pulled along. Over time, you've been pulled along, and now you're going in the course of this world. And it's pulling you away from God. So the world is the outside influence pulling us away from God, whereas the flesh is the inside influence pulling us away from God. And those are two different battles. We'll talk about the flesh next week. We're going to talk about the world this week. And then in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about the devil. And so make sure to come for week number four of this series because that's when we are going to talk about Satan and demons in the spiritual realm, and it's a real thing. And Satan is kind of behind all of this. He really is. He's behind the world, and he's behind... He's behind that, some of that stuff with the flesh. So today, to talk about the world, I want to start with a definition. The world, when we say the world, we're not talking about the earth. We're talking about, when the Bible talks about the world in this context, it's talking about an organized system that stands in opposition and rebellion against God. So sometimes, maybe if you're reading about this in a book or in a, in a even in the well, not in the Bible so much, but in the book, or if you're hearing about this on a podcast or in a sermon, sometimes we'll refer to this as the world system. Because the world system is actually organized and it's against us. The world system is trying to pull us away from God's word. And young people, I want you to, I w- I want you to hear this. this I'll, I'm going to speak to young people even though most of them just left. But So when I speak to young people, parents, I'm talking to you. And I encourage you to make sure to have this conversation with your kids, to talk about what we're talking about here with your kids, because they need to be clued into this. Because again, most of us could say, oh, the world's great. I turn on my TV, and what I consume there is great. They're well-intentioned people. I turn on the news, and they're well-intentioned people. And by the way, usually they are well-intentioned people, but they don't realize that they're following the course of this world. They don't realize that the enemy is using them and their influence and their platform and their words and their ideas to pull people away from God in his way. And so the world system has this current that's pulling people away, whether they know it or not. Now again, some of you are saying, you're making too much of this. That, that, you're kind of freaking me out a little bit. Like this can't be really, this can't really be true. I think you're making this up. I'm not making this up. We're going to share some scripture with you to show you that this is biblical. This is what the Bible teaches. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Satan, who is the God of this world, that's kind of scary. Notice lowercase g. So Satan is the God of this world. Satan has influence over this world. And here's what he did. He has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. There are so many times when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody and I'm like, oh, man, was great. Like, I, I, think, I think I explained that just right, and they have no response to it. The reason is because Satan has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. 
There are times on social media or just in the world when I have a debate with somebody about their perspective on a, on a social issue versus God's perspective on a social issue, and I'm like, how can you not understand this? How, how can you not see it this way? It's so obvious. It's because Satan, who's the God of this world, has blinded the minds of, of those who don't believe. Remember last week, one of the principles of spiritual warfare is that the battle is engaged in our minds it's not, it's not like this thing that happens up in the ether. It's not all just angels and demons kind of stuff. The most normal place where spiritual warfare occurs is in our minds. And this is what this passage is saying is Satan has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And as a result, they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. So we can offer the truth, but they can't see it because the God of this world has blinded their minds. Do you know that he can blind our minds too? If you're a Christian in here today, that Satan can blind your mind as well. That Satan, Satan can get, like we talked about last week with footholds and strongholds, Satan can get a foothold in your life and pretty soon you don't see things God's way, you see thing, things the world's way. And that's called spiritual warfare with the world. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. One more verse before we get into some of those footholds. First John five nineteen. we know that we are children of God. And that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Again, that's a scary verse, but it's important for us to know it. If you had cancer, you'd want to know it, wouldn't you? You wouldn't, but you'd want to. You wouldn't want to hear the news, but you'd want to know the truth so you could do something about it. So here's the truth. The world around you, the world around you is under the control of the evil one. I want you to hear that again. The world around you is under the control of the evil one. If this was true 2,000 years ago, how much more true is it today? The difference is Satan has so many more tools at his disposal than he did 2,000 years ago. And one of those tools, one of his favorite tools is right here. It's right here. He loves to use this tool against you. He loves to use this tool to fool you, to trick you, to get you to follow the current, the course of this world. And so we're gonna talk about that today. So let's talk about footholds and strongholds. The world, here's how it works. The world establishes a foothold by putting ideas in your head that go against God's word. Remember that principle that, that the way at the end, he, Satan doesn't barge through the door. He doesn't break down the door with horns in his red cape on. That's not how he does it. He just, he just kind of gets the foot in the door of your life, and there's lots of ways he does this. We're going to look at a bunch of them today. He gets, the foot, he gets his foot in the door of your life, and we're talking about your mind, your thinking, the way you think. He gets you to buy into just this tiny little idea that's just a little bit off. He doesn't want, he doesn't want you to like go all into Satanism. It's not what he's trying to do. In fact, he doesn't even want you to think he exists. He doesn't want you to believe he exists, because then you'll be wise to his schemes. He wants to just get the foot in the door by introducing subtle bad ideas. He wants to get the foot in the door of your life, and then pretty soon he's going to wedge his shoulder in there, and then he's got half of his torso in there, and pretty soon he's, he's turned that foothold into a stronghold because now he's all the way in your, up in your business, and he's closed the door behind him, and now he's holding the door closed because it's a stronghold in your life. And this is how the enemy works. And this is, he's... He's actually winning, 
pretty big time right now in this country. He's going to get your foot, his foot in the door, and then pretty soon he's going he's to have it. He's going to have his, your whole way of thinking now is going to be more aligned with the world than with the word of God. And that's how he works. Colossians 2.8 says this. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. That's kind of our theme verse for today. Don't let anyone, don't let anyone fool you. How are they going to fool you with ideas? Don't let anyone fool you with ideas. I love that word nonsense. Everyone say nonsense. Now, I need you to say it with just a little more conviction because I want you to be ready to say this later today or later this week when you're watching something on here or you're watching something, you know, in the news at home and and something that just is said that is high-sounding nonsense. And there is so much of this. I was prepping the sermon this morning not just this morning, but I was, doing, I was looking at it a little bit more and kind of getting ready for today. And, and after I was done with that, I, I watched some news. And I was sitting there shouting at the TV, nonsense! It was like fresh in my mind. There was so much nonsense. And it was fresh in my mind. I had a new word for it. So let's try this again. I want you to say the word with some conviction. Everybody say nonsense. That's better. And get ready to shout that at your screen. And maybe if you want to even really be biblical, call it high-sounding nonsense, okay? Here are six arenas where you can encounter nonsense. And I want you to identify it. I want you to call it out. And parents, I want you to help your kids identify it. Because here's the thing. Your kids are influenced by so many influencers, so many influencers, And if you don't ever call out nonsense and help them to understand it and process it, Tracy and I are processing nonsense all the time. Just this morning we were watching the news together and we were processing this nonsense together. Tracy's more into politics than I am. And so I'm like, help me to understand what they're saying. What is going on? What are they saying right there? And we're processing this nonsense that I feel like that Christians don't process. I feel like Christians just listen to stuff, and slowly Satan's gotten, has gotten his foot in the door, and now we're at the point where even Christians are buying into some of this nonsense. And we're going to point some of it out today, but this is just, these are just examples. We're going to talk about social media and commercialism, news and politics, false religions, progressivism, and relativism. Now we're going to have to obviously go fast, and this is just a sampling of the world system. Now these things aren't all bad. These things aren't all bad. They're just part of the world system. And I want you to be aware of how the world system together is working to get you to believe bad ideas. So we're going to give you six examples, and I encourage you to add your own later with your kids. Beat, let's beat the Baptists to Chili's this, you know, this afternoon and talk about it there. Talk about it at the, over, over your burger and fries. All right, number one, social media. Here's, here's one bad idea, just one of many. Here's one bad idea. Your value is directly proportional to your number of likes or followers. That's nonsense. God's word says your value is is found in the fact that you're created in the image of God. That's your value. That's your worth. But we live in a culture that says if I could get more likes and followers, that gives me value. I I must be a likable person. I must be a good person. Social media gives us this 
this false sense of connection. That's, it, it's like under the guise of connection, but it's not real connection. Social media is not real connection. Now, I'm not saying social media is all bad. But so much of it is just slowly feeding us this nonsense, these ideas that, go, that run contrary to God's word. Your value is already established because you're a child of God. That's it. That's where your value comes from. It doesn't matter what, what the kid in science class thinks about you. That's not where your value comes from. Your value comes from God and from his word. Anything else is nonsense. You know, I, I think we have this thing called beauty filters. I, I, I think it might even be built into your apps, and whether you know it or not, parents, I want you to know this, that your kids have apps that have beauty filters. Now, I've never used one, but my guess is that means that it gives me less hair when I get on here because bald is beautiful. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay, thanks. So that's my guess of what they're doing. And so what, what, it's, what it's doing for us is it's trying to condition the way we view ourselves and the way we view beauty. You know, Pastor John shares in the podcast for this week, he said his, his daughter's, uh, I think she's going to be a, a ninth grader this year, and she's playing comp volleyball, and they just got done taking pictures, and they got these pictures in, and they photoshopped her picture. And John was lit. Young people, that doesn't mean legit. That means, like, I mean, the old school lit. He was mad. He was mad. Because what's happening is now even, even, even the sports teams at school are trying to get you to think that you're not good enough the way you look right now, looking in the mirror. You want to make a lot of money, build a mirror that has a beauty filter built into it, right? But see, God likes you just the way you are. You know, listening to John talk about that, get so angry, he wanted to, throw the, he wanted to call the school, he wanted to throw the pictures out. Because he likes how his daughter looks, just how she looks, for real. And he wants her to be good with it, too. And he was so angry that she's even being fed this garbage. Now, if that's how John feels about it with his daughter, how do you think God feels about it? When people are messing with our self-image and our identity, God gets pretty lit. That's social media. That's just one example. Here's another, here's another arena. It's, com- it's commercialism. And again, this can be innocent enough. I'm, I'm great with capitalism, our, our system. I think it's a decent system, but there's still some traps embedded in it. And, and one of the bad ideas in commercialism is that you can only be happy if you buy the product that we're selling right now, right? How many of you have watched, like you're watching a commercial, and you find yourself saying, how did I live so long without this product? Like they're doing such a good job selling that product. Like you cannot be happy without this product and I remember watching a commercial and saying, how, how have I slept so long on sheets that aren't bamboo, you know? How have I done this? Am I a moron, right? I've really been missing out. And we, this is, this is again, this is just what the world's trying to do. It's just, it's trying to market to us these ideas that are not necessarily, I mean, that's not like an immoral idea. It's just a bad idea. It's a bad idea. God's word says we should be content, God's word talks about contentment with what, with what we have. That doesn't say that money is bad, but it says that money isn't ultimate. It says that, we, that the love of money is bad and what money can buy us. 
And so again, we need to elevate what God's word says about that instead of just what the commercials are telling us. Or how about the next arena, news and politics? And this statement, I just want you to know, this bad idea is not a political statement. I want you to hear this. This is a biblical statement. So if you want to pick a bone with me, and I'm not trying to make any, any we don't talk politics around here, but we do, we do talk about what God's word says. And the bad idea that we're getting today in culture, especially this year, is that unborn children don't have a right to life, or, or at least that their right to life is less important than a woman's right to choose. And just the, just the idea that we are, that there's somehow a battle between a, a, a baby's right to life in a womb, that somehow we're bringing it up to the same level of, a woman, of women's rights is nonsense. It's nonsense. And 50 years ago, the church agreed with this. But guess what happened? Satan got a foot in the door, and today, I can't even believe this, today, even Christians are doing this. Even Christians are doing this. Friends, it's not even close. God's word is so clear. We have to elevate God's word. It's so clear that children, that babies, infants, they're not fetuses. They're not impersonal. That, that babies inside a mother's womb were created in the image of God. There's so many scriptures that talk about this. And so again, we can't fall for the nonsense that the world is feeding us and pretty soon we're, buy, we're buying some of these lies. This is what I was yelling nonsense at at the TV this morning because they're throwing these, they're making arguments that don't even make sense. They don't even make sense. And so we need to be able to say that's nonsense. We need to be able to say God's word says something else about this. And again, if, you've, if, you, if, if that's hard for you to hear today, I, I invite you to reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you about it. Parents, I hope, I hope that you're helping your kids to think biblically about this issue. It's not a Republican-Democrat issue. It really isn't. It is an issue that God cares about. We need to stand up for the, for the rights of the unborn. Number four, false religions. False religions are part of the world system. I don't know if you knew that. False religions aren't just religions. It's that, they're actually, Satan's behind false religions. So this is part of the course of the world that Satan's trying to use to pull us away from God's word. Here's one bad idea from most false religions. Follow these rules and you'll earn a place in heaven. Most world religions basically boil down to that. Follow my rules and you'll earn a place in heaven. And yet God's word God's word says that we're all dead in our sins. And the last I checked, dead people can't do anything. And so you can't earn your place with God. If you're here today and you're, you don't know what the basic message of the Bible is, it's just simply this, that you're broken and I'm broken, but that Jesus did the thing, the only, Jesus did the thing that only he could do to fix us. And that when we trust in the, work, the finished work of Christ on the cross in his resurrection, the Bible says that in an instant, in an instant, we're made right with God. That's, that's the truth about heaven. That's the truth about being right with God. But see, Satan, what he does is he wants to introduce all these false religions that get us distracted from the truth of biblical Christianity. And those are bad ideas. Now, the next one is something that has crept into our churches today. And we're just going to call it progressivism today. Progressivism in the church, basically one of the, one of the bad ideas from progressivism is that the Bible's old-fashioned and it talks too much about sin. 
So you go to a progressive church, if they don't have the value that we have as a church, value number one is we look to God and his word in all that we do. Not every Christian church has that value. A lot of churches that would even be listed as Christian churches, a lot of churches you'll go and they might have a Bible verse or two scattered throughout the sermon, but really, really, they're just preaching the world's values in their church. And that's progressivism in the church. That's when progressivism creeps into the church. And progressive churches are more interested in in looking more like the world than they are submitting to God and his word. And so the world can even creep into the church. And it's, it's done that in Europe for hundreds of years, and now it's happening at an alarming rate here in our country. And we need to be, we need to be wise. We need to have open eyes. And then finally, the last one is, we would just call it relativism. Relativism is, and this happens in our schools, this is in our culture, in our society. Relativism teaches that everyone should just get to do what's right in their own eyes. And to see how much nonsense this is, just think about this relativistic experiment. You're going to say that green means go. I'm going to say that red means go. How's that going to work? How's it going to work if... Half of us said red means go, and half of us said green means go. We'd have so many accidents out there in the roads because we'd say, well, but green doesn't mean go to me. You can have your truth, and I'll have my truth, and we can all live together. Everything's fine. It's just not how it works. It's nonsense. It's high-sounding nonsense. As Christians, we should say God's word is ultimate in our lives, and God gets to decide what's right. And this, this is what allows us to have marriages that work and families that work and really even cultures that work is to recognize that there is such a thing as truth. There is such a thing as right and wrong. And so relativism is nonsense. I love what James says in 4.4. He says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Just in case you're one of these people that you're still on the fence, you're like, I don't know, I kind of like the world. I want to kind of keep following the course of this world. You sound really extreme right now. Look, James said friendship with the world is, en- is being an enemy of God. And he, he felt so strongly about it that he said it again. He literally repeated it. Let me say it again. Friendship with the world. If you want to be a friend of the world, you'll make yourself an enemy of God. You can't have it both ways. You have to decide. As John said last week, there is no neutral. There's a current And the current of the world is going to pull you away from God. Or you can go against the current and fight the war, fight the spiritual battle. One more verse, 1 John 2, 16 says, the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. Think about commercialism. A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. And he says, these are not from the Father, but they're from this world. And so there's this clash. The world is trying to pull you away. The world is trying to lure you away. Is trying to get, you to get you to follow your cravings. That's what the world is going to do. And there's so many warnings in Scripture to say, don't let it happen. And so here's how to win. Every week we want to make sure you know how to win. You learn the, the bad news. Here's the good news. Here's how you can win. You win the war with the world by exercising something that the Bible calls spiritual discernment in our everyday lives. Two Bible verses I want to close with that talk about spiritual discernment, but I want you to read these in the context of spiritual warfare. Now that you know that's what it's called. Romans 12, verse 2, it says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
by the renewal of your mind. There it is again. Remember, warfare happens in the mind. So how can I not be conformed by the world? You gotta win the battle of your mind. You've gotta be transformed. How am I transformed? By the renewal of my mind. That's how I'm transformed. So that by testing, and we're talking about testing the ideas. You're watching TV, you're watching the news on Sunday morning, and you're not just accepting what's being said, you're testing it, you're testing it. So that by testing, you can discern what is the will of God, his, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so we have to test everything that's being said. My, my goal for you today is that you just are more on your toes and that parents, you help your kids be more on their toes. I think it's so easy to be naive. I, I admit I'm a little bit naive and I, I could be like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. But the more I think about it, I'm like, wait, that's, hold on, that's not a good idea. That's actually a really bad, like when Pastor John talked about beauty filters, I, or when he talked about like his kid coming home with the, with the, uh, the Photoshop photos, I'm like, I, I, would, I don't know if I would have responded like that. But I, I so appreciate how discerning Pastor John is. He, he understood that that was a foothold that could lead to a stronghold, and he did something. He spoke out against it. He understood that. And I so appreciate guys like John, and Pastor Eric's like that too, Pastor John Swan, that people, I think Pastor Mark is really good about this because of his past, like he's more discerning. I think he's just, he's willing to throw a flag at something, whereas I'm a little, some of you might be more like me, I'm just maybe a little bit more naive, and I don't really think through what the enemy is doing with that small thing. So that's why I love this passage. It says, wait, just, you just need to test. You need to have discernment about everything that is in front of you, on your phone, on your screen, anywhere. Just have discernment. You have to test and approve. And I love one more verse, 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul says this, test everything that is said. Now I need to tell you the context for this, if you go read this, the context is in the church. So even what I preach today, this verse applies to what I preach today. You should test what I said. You should test what I said. You shouldn't just take it. You shouldn't just accept it because someone with authority is up here saying it. So if it's true that Paul said in the church you should test everything that was said, how much more should you test everything that's said outside of the church? Because there's way more nonsense outside of the church than up here. But even so, Paul says, test everything that's said. Hold on to what is good and stay away from every kind of evil. If we want to win the battle with the world, and it is a battle we engage in every single day, if we, have, if we want to win the battle, we have to be spiritually discerning, and you can't be discerning if you don't ever read the word of God for yourself. You can't be discerning. That's why one of the things, we'll talk about more about this in a few weeks, but one of the, one of the, one of the important, indispensable pieces of our armor is God's word. Because if you don't know what's right, then how do you know what's wrong? How can you test the ideas that are out there in the world if you don't know the ideas that are in God's word? And so let's be people who are willing to engage in warfare, in battle with the world. And by God's help, I think that we can impact our generation and our families. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for just that. Lord, that you would allow us in our homes in our communities, on Facebook, on social media, God, that you would give us the, 
the strength, that you would give us the ability, that you would give us the clarity to swim against the current of this world. God, if we don't speak up for your ways, then who will? And I pray that it would start in our personal lives, in our relationships, in our families, with our kids, and God, that it would extend, that we would just get more and more brave to represent your your truth to the world around us. And God, everyone, everyone that you've called to be your follower, Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes and ears. And God, that we would all be able to test and approve what your will is. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.